This week's parsha is Parsha's Pekude. And Pekude marks the culmination of the Binin HaMishkan. After all of the appeals that Meshra Rabbeinu made for the Zav, Kesef, Necheshes, Tcheles, Vargaman, after they hired B'Tzalel and his crew to actually construct the Mishkan, and all of the necessary components uh, for the Binina Mishkan were completed. So the Pasuk then says in Parshas Pekudei, Vayar Meshe has kol ha-melacha. Meshe surveys, he looks over the entire summation of the work. Vine asu ha-isak ha-shar tzivash emes Meshe asu exactly the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded Meshra Abeinu for the Mishkan to be built, for the Mishkan to appear. That's how it was, exactly. Vayivarech Aysam Meshra. At that point, when Meshra Abeinu sees the conclusion of all of the responsibilities that were meted out to each individual person, and everybody did it 100%, perfect, Lishma with all of the details, down to the last one, Meish Rabbeinu was proud of Kal Yisrael, and he gives them a bracha, Vayivarech Aysa Meish. What was the bracha that he gave them? So Rashi says, Amar Lahem, Yiratzayin Shetishra Shechina B'Maisiyadeichem. HaKadosh Baruch it should be his will, that he wants to be Mashre Heshchina in your handiwork. Meaning, here you have the structure. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was not yet in the structure. Remember, the whole point of the Mishkan was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should actually dwell in this beautiful tabernacle that was built. He didn't yet come down. He didn't yet dwell in it. So it remained to be seen whether or not the function of the Mishkan would be met. It's great to build an airplane, but if the airplane doesn't take off, it's not worth too much. It's wonderful to build a Mishkan, but if the Mishkan's purpose for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to actually come down and dwell there, if that doesn't happen, then what's this whole enterprise worth? So the first bracha that Meshur Rabbeinu gave was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should want to come and be Mashra Yishchina B'Maisiyadeichem, your handiwork, the work of your hands, all that we built, all that we raised, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be Mashra Yishchina therein. And then he gave another bracha, says Rashi, V'inayam Hashem Eleikeinu Aleinu. We're familiar with this pasuk from Sefer Tillim, we say it in Pesukah de Zimra on Shabbos, and on Matzai Shabbos, it's a, it's a popular, um, a popular Mizmar, it's one of the 11 Mizmarim that Meshur Rabbeinu actually contributed in Sefer Tehillim. This was the second bracha that Meshur Rabbeinu gave Kla Yisrael. B'inayam Hashem alekeinu me'akadish baruchu's sweetness, may the pleasantness, the divine pleasantness, be upon us. And when you learn such a Rashi, you have to sort of wonder, why was it necessary for Rashi to bring 
that there were two separate brachas that Moshe Rabbeinu blessed Klai Yisrael with. Whenever you see that there's two things, that means that there's something going on. There has to be an understanding of why these two seemingly separate brachas. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, He should be Masher Shkin Maisei I get that. That's the whole purpose over here. But what does it mean that the sweetness, the Nayam Hashem Alekeinu Aleinu, that the pleasantness, the beauty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be upon us? What does that have to do at this critical juncture? What I wanted to suggest was that what Meish Rabbeinu was telling Klal Yisrael is a very important lesson for each and every one of us. If we want Hashras Hashchina in our lives, there's only one way to do that, and that is to have the sweetness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in us. If we're able to have Midas Taivas, if we're able to be wonderful, good, fine, proper menschlach people, HaKadosh Baruch will want to be Masha Hashchina upon us. He wants to find people who are great advertisements, who are great ambassadors for His way. And if we have that Nayam, if we have the Midas Taivas, then HaKadosh Baruch definitely will be Masha Hashchina in our Maisei But the two go hand in hand. Meaning, He was sort of giving a commentary on how this is going to go down. Here we have the tabernacle, we have the mishkan, all the pieces are in place, except for one. We have to get HaKadosh Baruch Hu down to be Mashriya How do we do that? Very simple, says Mashriya It's not going to happen just because we happen to have built a beautiful mishkan l'shma. We have to be people on whom HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to dwell. We want to be people or we have to be a nation of sweetness, of fineness. People that others point to and say, wow, these are the chosen people. These are people that are really, they're exalted, they're special, they're holy, they're fine, they're good, they're normal, they're honest, they're trustworthy. That is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu will come upon us. The Shekhinah will only be shayr on those people who have the sweetness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu within them. Meish Rabbeinu was saying, you know how we have, you know how to get the key to unlocking Hashras HaShekhinah in the Mishkan and in our life? We have to have the Nayim, we have to have that sweetness. Once we have the sweetness, once we have the fineness, then the Shechina will be Shaira, undoubtedly. I think I have a proof to my thesis from Parsha Shmini. If you fast forward to Parsha Shmini in Perak Tes Pasuk Chav Gimel, this is actually the corollary to our Parsha because this is when the Shechina actually came down to the Mishkan. So you can't really understand these Pesukim and Parshas Pekudah unless you flip the pages to Parsha Shmini. In Parsha Shmini, what happened was that Moshe Rabbeinu went through the Shivas Yimei Amiluim. There were seven days that Moshe Rabbeinu started getting the Mishkan up and running. What did he do? Every day, first of all, he 
he erected the Mishkan. He put it together. Then he did the Hakrabas HaKarbanas. Aaron was not yet playing a role. It was all Meshach Rabbeinu for this week. This was like the week of breaking in the Mishkan. And it was like the orientation week of before you start the actual Mishkan, this is the Shivas Meimum. The Nesim brought their Karbanas all through Meshach Rabbeinu. But strangely, the Shechina still did not come down. Meshach Rabbeinu himself, the leader of Klai Yisrael, was every day taking the Mishkan and putting it together, doing Hakravas HaKarbanas, the Sheiras in the Mikdash, and then he took it apart at night. The next morning he woke up again and he did the same thing again and again and again, seven days. And the Shechina wasn't being Shaira, and the people were very nervous. Why? Because they wanted to get a kapara for the ego. The whole point of building the Mishkan was, let's atone for the terrible sin that we did when we built the ego, when we served the ego. And now the Shechina wasn't being Shaira. They were very nervous, understandably so. Maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mad at us. Maybe he doesn't want our Avedah. Maybe the Mishkan was not built with all the Kavanas that he needed. Maybe we're not going to get our Kapara. The Pasuk says, Vayavai Moshe Vayaron El Oyo Mayed Vayetsu Vayivarcho Esa'am Vayera Kved Hashem El Kalam Moshe and Aaron, they went into the Mishkan, they came out, they blessed Klal Yisrael. They gave another bracha to Klal Yisrael because the Shekhinah still didn't come down. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu's honor appeared to the whole nation. The next Pasuk says how a fire came down from heaven and went on the Mizbeach and everybody saw that the Shekhinah was finally Shaira and the Mishkan. They were rejoicing, they were singing, and that was the end of that parsha. What happened exactly? What was the bracha that they gave? And what triggered the Shechina to come? So we look again in Rashi. Rashi says, what was the bracha that they gave, Meish and Aaron, in Parsha Shmini? V'inayam Hashem Alekeinu Aleinu. So, first of all, something strange here, right? The brachas are the same, but they are inverted. In this week's parasha, we just said that the first bracha was what? The second bracha was v'inayam. There, by parasha Shemini, right before the Shechina came down into the Mishkan, V'inayam Hashem Alekeinu Aleinu first, and then Yirasen Shetishra Shechina B'maisidechem second. Something to just keep in mind. And then Rashi says as follows, L'fishakal shivis me'amilurim she'amidu me'ishon l'mishka m'shimesh b'ay u'pirka b'chal yayim lo'ishar s'lebay shechina. During the seven days of Milua, Meshach Rabbeinu took up, picked up the Mishkan every day, served in the Mishkan, took it down. The Shechina was not Shireh. They were all embarrassed, the people. They were nervous. They said to Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, Kalatayrach, Shetarachnu, Shetishra, Shechina, Beinenu, V'neida, Shenechaper, Lanu, Avena, Egel. What happened to all the Tirecha? You told us we should contribute. We gave all the, the women's jewelry. We gave all our silver and gold and money. Whatever you wanted, we gave you. We got, we hired the best architects. Everything is beautiful. You promised us 
you promised us that there's going to be a kapara on the ego. What happened to all those promises? Where's the shechina? Lakach Amar Lahem, that's what Meshach Rabbeinu said earlier in Parsha Shemini, a few psukim earlier. This is the thing that you have to do in order for the Shechina to come. What was that thing? What's the Zadavar? Aaron Achi, Kedai Vechashov Mimeni, Shayidei Karbanai Sav, Vavaydasai, Tishra Shechina. Meshe Rabbeinu says to the people, there's one thing that's missing in order to get the Hashras HaShchina down here. You know what that is? You were looking to me during the Shiva Samei Milum to magically bring the Shechina down. I'm Meshe Rabbeinu, I'm the one that's the, the leader. But you know something? That's not enough. That's not enough to bring the Hashras HaShchina. You know why? Because I have an older brother. His name is Aaron. He was chosen to be the Kayin Gadol. He was chosen to be the main CEO of the Mishkan. He was chosen to be the one who is in charge of the Avedas HaKarbanes, the Ktairas, the Kayhanim under him are all under his guidance, under his leadership. This is his fiefdom. This is his Mishkan. If I would be able to be bringing the Shechina by myself during the Shiva Simeon how would it make Aaron feel? Not too good. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm so replaceable. I don't, they don't even need me. Meshra Abena, my brother, he's outshining me again. He's the one that's stealing the thunder. He's the one that's, that, 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 he's the one that's causing the Shechina to be Shaira. Meshra Abena says, I can't do that. Hakan Shparchu can't do that. We need to have Midas in order to bring the Shechina down. We need Derech Eretz in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to find us worthy of being Mashre His Shechina B'Tachtainim. We have to wait beyond the Shivas Me'amiluim to when Aaron, tomorrow morning, Aaron Akain is going to be the one that's taking the keys of the Mishkan. He's going to be in charge. He's going to bring the Karban. He's going to be the one that is reigning supreme in the Mishkan. Then you're going to see Ashra Sashchina. And that's exactly what happened. Aaron took the baton from Meshra Abeno. As soon as that happened, he felt good. His Midas were, Meshra's Midas were impeccable. Claudius Yisrael's Midas were thereby impeccable. And now the Shechina feels comfortable coming down. Not a second earlier. Because if you don't have Midas, if you don't have the Nayam Hashem Aleinu, then you can't get the Shechina. The Shechina is not interested in coming down. If somebody would feel hurt, if somebody would feel slighted, that would mean that we don't have the ni'imus, we don't have the sweetness and the fineness to deserve the Shechina enenu. And I think that might be why the order was switched now. Now, right now, when we're about to switch roles, we're about to give it over to Aaron. Aaron is now going to be the Kain Gadol. He's going to see himself, the Shechina Bishar, because of his service, not because of his kid brother, Meish Rabbeinu, but he who is in charge, who was given that responsibility of being the Kain Gadol that Akadosh chose, he's going to be the one that brings down the Shechina as it should be. At this point, Meish Rabbeinu 
and Haran together, bless Klal Yisrael, but with a reversal of the brachas. Not that first Yerot and Tzitzit with the explanation of if you, with its nai of Yinayam, but now that we're showing clearly Yinayam Hashem Alekein Aleinu, we have those Midas now. Now we've proven that we have the sweetness for Ashras Hashchina. Now Yerotzayin Shetishra Hashchina B'Maisiyadechem. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. This is what we learn from this parsha. Parsha's Pekude teaches us that in order to have Ashra Sashrina, it's very nice to build a Mishkan. But if you don't have Midas, then the Mishkan will not fly. The Mishkan will not have the Ashra Sashrina within because we don't have the Ni'imas that we deserve, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands of us the Midas Tevis that HaKadosh Baruch Hu insists that we have for us to be worthy recipients of Hashras Hashchina. I saw a story this week that was very troubling. It was in the context of a halachic question that was put to Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein Shlito, who is a very big Paisik in Israel. He's the son-in-law of Rabbi Yashiv. And he gets the most interesting Shilas asked. I don't know if, I don't know where these questions come from, but every question that you ever hear from, that was asked of Zilberstein is like the coolest, most unusual, most interesting question. And there's a few Sarim already that they put out from these types of questions. So, this is the question that was put to him. It's a crazy story. There's a very big Gevir in America, a very wealthy individual who gives a ton of money to stock everybody you know, lionizes him, and he's honored by dinners, and he's like, oh, wow, you know. And a group of yeshiva bachrim came to his house to collect money on behalf of the yeshiva. I don't know if it was Purim time or whenever it was, not, not important. But these boys were going on a mission to raise money for their yeshiva, a very noble cause, and one of the stops on their way was this Kavir's house. This was maybe the first stop on their way because he was a very big philanthropist and, and they were hoping to get a very large check out of him. So it was around this time of year, freezing cold outside, and he had a swimming pool, an outdoor swimming pool in his backyard. And the Bakram asked him, you know, would you consider giving a generous donation to the yeshiva. It's a wonderful yeshiva, and they were telling him about all of the details of how great the yeshiva is. That sounds good. I'll make you a deal. If each of you, every single one of you, there were six boys that were fundraising, every boy that jumps into the freezing pool outside with his clothes on, I'll give $1,000 to the yeshiva. So the boys, to their credit, you know, they were so dedicated to the yeshiva that one after another, all six of them jumped into the pool with their clothes on, and they came out, you know, I guess hopefully they warmed up and they were okay, but with great mysterious effort, and and the Gevir wrote a check out for $6,000 to the yeshiva. The boys came back, to the yeshiva whenever they were done with this trip. And they showed the fundraiser the checks, and he's going through the checks, and he sees $6,000 from this computer. He says, wow, how'd you do that? Like, we were never able to get more than $180 from it. 
So they told him the story. He, you know, it was cold out, and they made us jump into the pool, and you know, $1,000 a boy, we all jumped in, and Nachshman Aminadov, and we all made money. This, this check is from that mysterious nefesh. The administrator started turning beet red. Smoke was coming out of his ears. He says, what a chutzpah, what a bizayin hatayra. This gevir, what arrogance that he made you, Yeshiva Bachim, jump into a pool in order for him to get his thrills, and, to, and that's the only way that he was able to give this tzedakah. He took the check, and he ripped it up into a million pieces. He said, I don't want this check. So the question that was put to Yitzhak Zilberstein uh, was, if the Gevir now has an obligation to write out a new check to the Yeshiva. Rabbi Zilberstein's paskin that he doesn't because it was never tzedakah in the first place, it was just Bizayin Atayra. It was never, it never had a din tzedakah. That's, all right, whatever, that's not what we're discussing today. But what we are discussing today is that, is this a person, this Gevir, he might be supporting the entire throughout the world single-handedly, but is this somebody that would, you would say about him that he has hashras hashchino? Would you say that there is a certain that HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that home of this Gevir would choose to dwell? And I would say emphatically, absolutely not. If there's no Midas Taivas, if there's no Noyam Hashem Aleinu, if you have the, the, the audacity to ask Yeshiva Bachim to jump in, then what's, what are you? You think that's Jewish? You think that's religious? You think that's normative human behavior? HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses to be mashrashchina on people that are sweet, that are fine, that are kind, that are good people. People that are achzarim, even if they do good, they're, they're do-gooders. But they're not. That's not a mitzvah. That's a, it's an avera. And this is something that is so important for us to understand throughout our entire lives. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't interested in our learning, in our davening, in, our, in, in, in anything that we think is religious, unless it's preceded and it's, and it's accompanied by Midas Tevis. If you're not a mensch, then everything that you're doing is not impressive. If you are a mensch, then you're a tzaddik. But if you're not a mensch, it has to have, a yid is not a yid because he's, he's a robotic person that does mitzvahs and taira. He has to be first a mensch. The G'dayla Yisrael are different than the G'daylam of Umar Salem. The G'daylam of Umar Salem, history doesn't care much about how nice they were, how uh, they were, you know, if they, if they gave charity or they, uh, does anyone know if Napoleon was personally a nice person, whether he helped old women cross the street or, uh, no one cares about that. All they care about is his, you know, ability to lead, his, 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 you know, how, how the wars that he won, the wars that he lost, um, the countries that he conquered, and the, what he did with his economy, that's all people care. Nobody cares about his personal midas. I mean, there might be some historians that write about that just as a footnote, but that's not really important to know as long as you're a good leader. Does anyone care whether President Kennedy was personally a moral person or immoral? Nobody cares about that. They just, you know, the, the, the Bay of Pigs and the Cuban Missile Crisis and the, you know, that, that's all that people care. No one cares about his, his midas. 
or any president for that matter, or any vice, any, uh, any uh, prime minister, or any king, or any general. No one cares about their personal life except as, you know, as a trivial question, but it's not important to understand the leadership. If you learn about Einstein's theory of relativity, does anyone like raise their hand in, you know, in, in their physics class and say, but was he like a good person? Like, did he really, uh, you know, care about, uh, uh, you know, about, no one cares. Nobody cares. I just want to know. He was brilliant. He, ca- he gave the world, you know, this theory of relativity and all his other theorems or whatever he's doing. That's all we care about. Nobody cares about, you know, about Bill Gates's personal, you know, whether Bill Gates is personally great or, or not great. He gave us Microsoft. He gave us software. He gave us, that's all that matters. It might be interesting, but it doesn't, it doesn't make him, it doesn't leave a greater legacy to the world what he is personally. G'dayla Yisrael, and every Jew for that matter, but let's focus for a moment on G'dayla Yisrael, what makes them great is not merely that they were brilliant people or that they were great leaders. That's secondary. There are many brilliant people. The Svarim shelves are full. You go to libraries. We have a, you know, a very limited library. But you go to other major libraries, you'll find tens of thousands of Svarim. 99% of them you've never heard of in your life, and you never will. They're brilliant people, but they never... We don't know about them. That doesn't mean to say I'm not... I'm saying that those people that we don't know about were not Sadiqim. But I'm t- what I am saying is that brilliance does not necessarily create manhigim and gedalim. Obviously, are many of the gedalim, if not all of them, were brilliant, or they made themselves brilliant over time with amelos and with hasmada, etc. But if you look at the gedalim books and you understand what really is important to Klal Yisrael is that the leaders that we have are fine people. Ramesha Feinstein was perhaps the most brilliant man in the last few hundred years, but without his personal midas taivas, it wouldn't really be worth If he was a bad guy, if he was a mean guy, then nobody would care about his brilliance because he's not in the running for Hashra Sashkina because there's no Vinayam. The reason why Ramesha had that Hashra Sashkina that everybody saw on his face was because of the Nayam Hashem Aleinu. This is what marks all Gedailim, the Ashras Ashkina that they have in their homes and in their hearts and in their, in their eyes, that Ashras Ashkina is directly the result of the Inayim Hashem Aleinu, the fact that they were such perfect character beings. Their character was so sterling, their Midas were so exemplary, their way of life, their, their whole daily existence from morning to night, Ramesha Feinstein, didn't leave a, 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 a dining room without going over to the cook at the end and saying, I love the, uh, the schnitzel that you, that you made tonight. You know, can you get the recipe to my wife? They had such good midas. That's what made Ramesha Ramesha. I'll give you a few examples of such things. Rapam. Everybody knows Rapam was Dracha Adar Chaynayam. Rapam was the Gadol Adar. Rapam, everybody knew that he was, they, they used to call, I, I was alive when Rapam was, you know, Bataikfa. They, they used to call him, he didn't like that they called him this, but they used to call him the Chafetz Chaim of America. 
there was something about Rav Palm that people saw. He didn't wear a long frock. He didn't wear an up hat. He wore a regular hat, regular suit. He didn't sit even on the on the front wall of the base medrash. He sat behind the behind the bima. The simplest person, the most modest, most humble person. But the people saw that there was something about him that was special, that made him unique. I'll tell you what was special about Rapam. I'll tell you a few stories. Rapam just was a good person. He was brilliant and he gave great shiurim, but he was beloved because he was just a unique, special individual. Rapam was once at a chasana, and a person came over to him, a middle-aged man came over to him, and he says, Rabbi, I want to talk to you for a minute, if I may. He says, I don't know if you remember me. I was in high school in Yeshiva Taravadas, and Rabbi was proctoring an exam. You know, they ask, they ask sometimes Rabbi, I guess, to proctor the exams of the high school. So... He says, I don't know if you remember, but I was cheating on somebody else's test. I was looking at somebody else's test and I was copying the answers. You saw me do that. Now, just as an aside, Rapam was allergic to dishonesty. Rapam was probably, you know, probably very upset by what he saw. He went over to this boy. And he said to this boy as follows. He didn't say, you know, what practice say today, uh, you know, Chaim, come bring up your test uh, and then put a big red zero on it and, you know, and, and call his parents. Rapam said as follows. He bent over and whispered into his ear, if you are having trouble reading a question, please ask me for help. I'll be more than glad to read it for you. So this boy says to Rapam, he's not a boy anymore, now he's already 50 years old. He says, if you had screamed at me, if you had yelled at me, if you had embarrassed me, I would not be from today. He said, it was a very difficult period in my life. I was having a lot of problems at home and things were not easy for me. But because you treated me with such honor, such respect, you didn't make a big deal about it and you let it go, he said, you literally saved my life. B'nayam Hashem Elekeinu Aleinu. The Ni'imas of Rapam was so there, was so ever-present, that everybody saw the Ashra in his face and in his home and in his, in his life. Now, I'm putting out a, a new Sefer, Mitzvah Hashem, soon. It's called uh, Great Jewish Photographs. So um, it's basically a hundred, um, in my mind, of the top photographs of Gedalim in various, with a story, each of them with a story behind it, and, uh, you know, bringing out the Musser of the Gadol from these particular uh, snapshots in time. So one story, I, I started very often with the story and then tried to find the photo. So this was one of the stories. I'll tell you another one maybe soon. But the story goes as follows. They were making a Hachnasa Sefer Taira in honor of Rapam. They wrote a Sefer Taira. I think it was Rapam's 
80th birthday, maybe 90, I don't know exactly, let's call it 80th birthday, and they made a Hachnasa Sefer Tariff for him. So in Brooklyn, and in Queens for that matter, when you want to spread the word, what do you do? You make big posters telling of, you know, with a big picture of a palm on it, Yeshiva Tarvadas, Achmaz the day, the time, you know, be there, rain or shine. And then what do they do with the posters? They put them up on every storefront that they can, and every lamppost, and wherever, any place that, any piece of real estate that's, you know, that a human being is not there, they just, you know, put the poster up. Rebetzin Palm comes out of her house one day, and she sees that one of these posters is nailed into her Gaisha next-door neighbor's tree on the front lawn of their house. And she automatically assumed that the, whoever it was that was paid to go and post these posters had the chutzpah to go and actually go on the neighbor's property, take one of their posters, bang it into the tree in Kensington, right next to her mom's house. So she goes up to the next-door neighbor's store, she knocks on the door, and she said, I'm so sorry that somebody did this. You must be upset. I'm very upset. I don't know why they're putting posters in general up all over the world, but you know, to put it on your private property, on your tree, you know, is very wrong. Why do you need my husband's picture on your tree? And, um, and, and because of that, you know, she apologized. And she said, I'm going to have somebody take it down. I'm very sorry. So the next-door neighbor looks at her, and she says, Mrs. Palm, you have it all wrong. She says, we are so proud to have you and the rabbi as our neighbor. We know how holy he is. We see every day, everything that he does is just so perfect and so fine and so right. And we're so, it's like such a big privilege that we're neighbors with the rabbi and you. My husband was walking on the street one day and he sees this poster on a lamppost of your, with your husband's beautiful face on it. And he was so proud that your husband is being honored that he took down the poster from the lamppost on some public street and he nailed it to the tree on the front of his house in order to boast that we have such a neighbor that's so holy like your husband. It doesn't come, doesn't come just because her palm was a tremendous lamdin and a great rebbe and a great masmin and a great uh, amkin and a paisig, whatever attributes that her palm had, were just a hechatimsa to do what he needed to do. But the, what made her palm have the Ashras Hashrina was not his brilliance. It wasn't his intellect. Although he had that in spades. What was great about her palm was that he had such ni'imas hachayim. He had such ni'imas hamidas. He had such a beauty to him. And even Gayim were able to pick up on that. That's why he had Ashras Hashrina by him. The holiness that he exuded came from his midas. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants people that he feels get who he is. The Nayim Hashem, the Ne'imus is Hashem's. But if somebody is able to mold their lives in the, with the Midas Taivas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's where HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels very comfortable. 
And so when you see people with, which have this, this holiness that's just radiating from them, and there are individuals that you see all the time that have that special glow, that halo, as it were, that comes as a direct result of the fact that they have the Inayim Hashem That's what causes the Ashra Just like in the Mishkan. I was Zeichat to see Rav Shlem Azaman Ayerbach when I learned in his shir. And I've said many times that it was very hard to concentrate when he was giving shir because he took off his glasses and it literally looked like a Malach Hashem Tzvakas was in front of us. That's the way it looked. There's no other way of describing it. His face was radiant. I don't know why. It was, it was just such a... There was like a, a... It sounds funny. You think I'm probably making it up. But there was literally light coming from his face. Where did that light come from? He was the most brilliant man in Klai Yisrael. He was, everyone knew that he was the Gainadar from the time that he was Bar Mitzvah. He was already writing letters to uh, great Gedalim, and they already chopped that, you know, that, that he was smarter than them, Kaviyachal. He wrote a, a letter to um, the base Aaron. The base Aaron was one of the Gedalim Adar. Um, of Aaron uh, Walken. Face Aaron was one, was one of the classics for him. He writes a letter. I think he was maybe, I don't even know if he was Bar Mitzvah yet. Shlem Ezaman Arabach from Shari Chesed wrote a letter to the base Aaron. And he wrote that, I'm embarrassed, that I, I hate to say this to you, but I read your, I read it, this and this piece and this and this Sefer from you, and you forgot a Ramah. You must have missed the Ramah. There was a Ramah, you missed it. And the Beis Aaron, who is like one of the G'dayle HaTayra in the, in the Dar, if you look in, in like the next volume of a Sefer, he sort of rewrites that Shtigl Taira, and then he writes on the bottom something like that. Somebody informed me of the fact that I, uh, that, that I, I missed the Ramah, and I have to be mevake slicha from the Ramah that I, I, I missed his, 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 his psah. But this is all from a, from a, Shlem Azaman Herbach that was not bar mitzvah yet. He was a gain already at the earliest age. That's not what gave him Ashras Hashrina. That glow did not come from his genius. The glow came because he had the greatest midas in the world. He was just a fine person. He was just a noble, aristocratic human being. And that's what gave him the ability to shine, to have the Ashras Hashrina by him. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, it's always a, uh, a sticky question about what do you do if, like, uh, you're on a bus and a woman comes and sits down, like a Chiloni woman comes and sits down. So there's three options. Either if you don't care, you don't care. You just sit next to her. It's fine. That's option number one. Option number two is you start screaming at her to move. And then there is Rav Shlem Zalman's option, which was he pressed the button you know, to alert the, the bus driver that he wants to get off at the next stop. He got up, and then he got off the bus. He got off the bus in order to, uh, in order, and then he had to wait for another bus to come, all in order that he should not insult the woman who unbeknowingly sat next to him. You know, she didn't mean bad. What, what, she didn't do anything wrong. But he didn't want to sit next to her. He didn't feel it was appropriate. But he didn't want to embarrass her either. So he actually got off the bus very tactically, very 
you know, beautifully, he had to wait another half an hour, whatever it was, for the next bus to come. Trust me, he had a lot to do with his time. He didn't have an extra half an hour to spare. But just in order that he should not insult the woman, he did all of this because that was who he was. That was the Nayim Hashem Aleinu. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about a story that I heard just now in Eretz Yisrael about Rav Shlomo Zalman, um, that there was a boy that was dyslexic in Yerushalayim. He lived in Sanhedria, and he could not, he had very great trouble reading. And um, they didn't know what to do. You know, he really wanted to, to do something in his bar mitzvah. He couldn't lay in the whole parish, it was impossible. And it was very hard for him to learn one puzzle. So what they did was, they decided he's not going to lane the parasha, he's going to lane just the Haftira. And so they looked up the Haftira of that parasha, and for a year and a half, they busted this kid's brain, you know, to hammer it into him every day. He comes home from yeshiva, and they taught him the, the Haftira one pasuk, another pasuk, going back to the first pasuk, again and again and again and again, until finally he chacked it. And it was a huge simcha, and it was now very close to the bar mitzvah, and everyone was excited. So they go into a suit store to get the boy a suit and a hat for his bar mitzvah, and somebody in the suit store knew Yossi, that was the boy's name. He knew that he was only going to be laying the haftaira, he heard that rumor. And he said, Oh, Yossi, Magia, Bar Mitzvah Shulcha, your Bar Mitzvah is about to come, and, you know, you're ready for the Aftaira? And the father is listening, and the father chaps that he taught this boy the wrong Bar Mitzvah. He taught him the, par- the, the, aftaira, the he taught him the Aftaira of the Bar Mitzvah's parsha whatever parsha that was, but he didn't look on a calendar that Sunday was Rosh Chaydesh, so you don't even lay in that Haftar, you lay in Machar Chaydesh. So now we're in big trouble. So what do you do when you're in big trouble? You go to Rav Shlomo Zalman Arabah. So Rav Shlomo Zalman, here's the Shaila, and he says the following, so this is what's going to happen. You tell the rabbi in the shul in Sanhedrin where this bar mitzvah is going to happen, the Shabbos, this is what I say to do. The boy is going to say the bracha on Haftaira. He's going to lane his Haftaira that he, that he learned so with such great difficulty. After he finishes that, then the regular Balkaira of the Shul is going to lane Machar Chaydesh. And then the boy is going to say the end brachas of the whole Haftaira. Beautiful psak, everything was perfect. Shabbos morning, Rav Shlomo Zalman wakes up. He lived in Shari Chesed, not a short walk to Sanhedria, very far distance, especially for a man in his 70s, 80s, with a stroke. And he said to his son, Rav Baruch, he, say, he wakes him up at like 6 o'clock in the morning, he says, Baruch, we have to walk to Sanhedria. Baruch says, why? You, you, Tati gave the psaq, he sent it to the Rav, the Rav will take care of it there. Why do you have to go? He says, no, no, no. He says, I have to be there. He says, why? Because I know what's going to happen. This poor boy is going to get up. He's going to make the bracha. He's going to start saying the wrong after. We know what happens. What happens? Everybody starts screaming. No, machar chaydesh, machar chaydesh. 
They're going to, you know, if they have rotten, rotten tomatoes, they'll throw that at the boy also. They don't care. That's, that's you know, that, that's what you do. That's what shuls are all about. That's what makes going to shul fun. So, he says, I have to be there. They're going to say, Roshan Mizan, yeah, Roshan Mizan, Paskin, that way, no way, impossible. If I'm there, that won't happen. So walked very far from Shari Chesed to Sanhedria, came into the shul, was sort of like the bodyguard of this boy, this poor boy, to make sure that his covet was intact, a bar mitzvah boy, and that he would have a normal, meaningful bar mitzvah, of Shlomo Arabach, had to be there and defend him and make sure that no one would attack his psaq. Is there a more beautiful darche nayim than that? Is that not the definition of the nayim Hashem alekein oleinu? That's why he had hashras hashchina. That's why Rosh Hashanah had that face with that glow. That house that everybody knew was the the was full of hashras hashchina. Was was the mishkan in our times. I think, I, I think we would all agree that he's probably the Gadol Hadar today in America. And um, Rav Shmuel is the Rashiv in Philadelphia. And um, he also, I guess you would say that he has Hashras Hashkina. He also has a beautiful shine. Everybody like is, is naturally attracted to Rav Shmuel. Like, they just gravitate to him. If you ever see him at an Aguda convention or at a Chasna, like he's always like surrounded by a million people. There's Ashras Hashkina by him. Why? He's a brilliant Rosh Shiva. He's a great Paisik. They started putting out his Svarim on, you know, Psach Halacha, Kaivetz Halacha. It's an unbelievable work. But that's not why he has Ashras Hashkina. I have a friend who told me this story. He was at a Chasna where Rav Shmuel was at. And Rav Shmuel stayed like to the end of the chasna. And he, my friend wanted to speak to him about something. And so he sort of like was following him out. There was very few people left in the hall at this point. And there was um, the Gayim, the waiters were, the Gayisha waiters were basically breaking down the room and setting it up for the next night's chasna. So if you can imagine like a room of like now they already had cleared away a lot of the tables and they were setting up uh, new tables. Rav Shmuel, he saw that Rav Shmuel ran over to one of the waiters that were, he was alone, you know, like with unfurling the tablecloth and trying to make it, to straighten it. And Rav Shmuel runs over to the table. He's already, I think, way over 90 years old. And he's like helping, you know, helping the guy with, uh, you know, like making the tablecloth nice by the, you know, is that... Is that not a beautiful story? Nobody knew about it. There was no spotlight on him. There was no photographers for Art Scroll, you know, present. He just was doing it because he has Nayim Hashemalini. He's, he's a mensch. Not because of his brilliance. He didn't do that because he's brilliant. He did it because he's, he's a, a good person. He's a person that has a heart. He saw that there was somebody that was struggling with getting the tablecloth. Hard to, you ever tried, you know, putting a tablecloth on a big table by yourself? It's hard. You have to keep going back and forth. It, it takes like a long time. It takes much quicker if you have just two people doing it at once. So he was the other person. He had no problem with it. It wasn't beneath him. It wasn't busyness. It wasn't, uh, you know, for other people to do. And it doesn't pass 
he didn't have any, he has no heirs to him. He just, he saw something needed to be, he did it. That's it, period. I'll tell you a story, another story that's in great Jewish photographs with Shmuel Kamenetsky. It's another picture that took me a very long time to find the picture, but it started with a story also. Rip Shmuel and Rav Aaron Schefter and Yibadul Chaim, Mechaim Chaim, um, Rav Abram Chaim Levine, who was the Rashiva of Tel Chicago, who was just Nifter this year, three big Rosh Hashivas in America, they went on a mission to Eretz Yisrael um, maybe 15 years ago on behalf of Lev Achim, a very good Kirov organization, and they flew them in, and they were supposed to see the fine work that they're doing. And one of the stops, of course, was they went together to the Kaisal. So, so the, there was a, a big tumult around them, you know, when they came to the Kaisal. So um, you know, everybody taking pictures, and it was like a whole delegation of America came. So there was a Balchuva that was standing at the Kaisal davening. He was learning in Arsameach, and he... Uh, he didn't understand what the big hullabaloo was. What was everybody, you know, he came to Davin, all of a sudden there was like a big tumult there. So to no one in particular, he just said like, you know, what's going on over here? What's everybody like craning their neck and trying to see what, what's special? What's going on? So a man come, you know, heard him ask that question. He says, well, there's big rabbis from America that uh, came to Israel for a mission and, you know, people are, are trying to see them. He says, wow, that, that's very, very nice. It's beautiful. He says, so the man says to this Belshub, he says, would you like a blessing from one of them? He says, yeah, that would, that would really be amazing. Thank you. So he takes him by the hand, this older man, and he basically takes him over to a Baron Schefter, and he asks, says this boy is learning in, uh, in Arsameach, and... Uh, He's steiging, and he wants a bracha that he should really, you know, be a Talmud Chacham. So Aaron gives him a warm bracha and, like, you know, pats his hand and his face and everything. He feels like a million bucks, and then the man takes him to Ram Chaim Levin and, you know, also gets a nice blessing from him. And then, uh, and that's the end of the story. Shabbos comes, and this Balshuva is eating by his Rebbe's house on Shabbos, Yushalayim, and he... Uh, so his, uh, he tells his rabbi, you know, in the middle of the meal, he said, I have a, you know, a great story I want to tell you. This week I was down by the Kaisal and there was a delegation, rabbis, and some old man comes and, you know, helps me get a blessing from, from these, you know, two big rabbis in this delegation. So the person said, uh, did you see uh, the third rabbi? You know, there, was a, there were three rabbis. You know, was, you told me about Rabbi Shechter and Rabbi Levim. There's also Rabbi Shmuel Kamnesky. He says, no, I, I didn't see him. He says, are you sure you didn't see him? He says, yeah, and he, I just met these two. So there was a, a paper, like a, I think it was Mishpacha magazine, who, which ran, was running like an article about this, this mission of Leib Lachim. And there was a picture in the paper of the three of them and uh, with a lot of boys that were, you know, that Leib Lachim were Makari, a long story. But so he pointed out, yeah, this is, uh, these, this is a delegation. These are the three rabbis. He says, well, that's the rabbi that gave me a blessing, and that's the second rabbi that gave me a blessing. He says, but that's the third the rabbi. He said, that's the third rabbi. This is Shmuel Kamenetsky. He says, he said, no, that's the man that took me over to the other two. So I needed to get that picture, of course. So I, 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 I literally turned over the world. I finally, Baruch Hashem, found the picture, and that's in the book. But that's, 
That's Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky. He's not, he doesn't have to, I'm the third, you know, I'm, I'm Rav Shiva. Also, we're coming together. No, he says, you know, there's rabbis here. You know, I think it's nice for you to get a blessing from them. He didn't make himself like as the God Ladar. He, you know, he, he brought him over to something very, very happy, like Meish Rabbeinu, just to not be in the spotlight. Aaron Akayin, he's the, he's the man, and, you know, and I'm, I'm just the Misharist Aaron. And I don't, you know, this is just, this is just the, the week of orientation week. This isn't the, we didn't start yet the Mishkan. This is the most important schmooze. Throughout life, we get very easily impressed by people. But you have to be very careful about who we get impressed by. There are people that are big tamid hachamen, but or, or learning in yeshiva for a long time, and they look the right way, and they act the right way, and they have the right beard, and they have the right face, and they have the right act. But... The main thing that we have to focus on is, are they, are they good people? If they're good people, then we have to like be them like, like no one else. But if they're not, and there, sometimes you find, very rarely, Baruch Hashem, we live in a, in a, in, in a wonderful you know, nation, which is Klal Yisrael. It's very hard to you know, say bad about anyone, because everyone really has so many layers of goodness. But sometimes there are people that are less than good in terms of their behavior, in terms of their midas, in terms of their, the way they deal with people is really not nice. And that, there's no Asherah Sashkina there. Don't be fooled. Don't think, well, yeah, but he's not, he's not a mensch, but he's a big Tamachacham. If he's not a mensch, then that's, that's basically the start and the end of him. And there was a, uh, Rav Schwab has a story, a story about Rav Schwab. He was like, uh, there was a, a very big, uh, he was a, a nursing home operator, but he was like, uh, he had a long beard and pay a yarmulke, big yarmulke, and he was indicted because they, he was doing some shtick with the nursing home, like terrible things, I didn't want to discuss it, Barabbin, but very bad things, and he was on the nightly news, it was a huge chil Hashem for doing some really bad stuff in the nursing home, and um, every night on the nightly news, um, you know, seven o'clock. The whole country sits down by the TV and you know watch the news. That's the way it used to be in the old days. And uh, here he was, this rabbi. He called himself rabbi, and you know, big, big yarmulke on his head and a beard and like whatever. And Rabbi Schwab said to somebody who knew him, you know, send a message to him. Send a message to him to take that yarmulke off your head. Don't, it's not a time to be from. You did a, you, you're, you're being indicted on a very serious crime. You're not a from person. Get the yarmulke off your head. That's not, the Rebbe is not interested in your, in your fake. It's fake. You're, you're, you're not, you're not acting appropriately. You have no right to wear a yarmulke. A yarmulke is not a, it's not halacha, it's a schos. If you're, if you're an ambassador for Taira, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you have the Nayim Hashem Lekeinu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Mashashkina, what is the Yamaka? is a reminder that the Rabbi Shalom is above us, but he's not above you. You're a criminal. You're a crook. That's not, there's no ni'imus by you. Get the Yamaka off your head. You're making a chil Hashem. I'll tell you a few, a few things, a little list that I made of examples that I personally find, you know, that we could maybe work on or we should be aware of. Little things that are Practical things to, to that that to, that we might not be aware of, but we should be aware of them. 
to really make sure that we have the Nayim Hashem, that we're making a, a Kiddush Hashem no matter where we are, what we do. I'll give you an example. You're on an airplane. You're on an El Al airplane or whatever, going to Israel. Everybody wants to dabble in the minyan. I, I, you know, when I was sitting, when I was in Abel for my father, I don't think that I was Mekayim this because I really wanted to say Kaddish for my father and, you know, I, I tried. And so, I'll, I, I'm sometimes guilty of this myself, I'll be honest. But, when I don't have to say Kaddish, I could be a lot more clear-minded. You're on an airplane, now it's, it's pitch dark at night, but now it's like outside, you know, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, on everybody's time clocks. Everybody's rightfully sleeping. And, but now there's, you know, wherever you're flying over, the sun is starting to rise. So everybody, uh, you know, wakes up. And um, it's a daven. Beautiful. So what do they do? They make a minion in the back of the plane. And what happens in the back of the plane? There are people, not Jewish people, chilonim, Women, they have no chiyav, or they're not davening, right? They don't, they don't need to be woken for davening. What did they do wrong, other than just getting a bad seat assignment, that they deserve 20 guys, like, falling over them, screaming, you know, Yeshme Rabba, um, you know, wrapping their filling in their face, you know, knocking into their seats, you know, pushing and shoving, like... Is that, do you think that there's Hashra Sashrina? Do you think like, like, Hakarish Baruch is Mashra Shrina in that minion? There's no Yinayim. There's no Ni'imus there. There's not, it's a terrible, terrible, it's not nice. I don't know if it's a terrible thing, but it's just not nice. If it's not nice, then there's no Hashra Sashrina. Many Paiskin, Rabshlam Azamin Arabak, I think, said, just dive in your seat. Don't be such a tzaddik. You're a tzaddik on somebody else's expense. You're making a chil Hashem. Just dive in your seat. Don't be so from. That's the from thing to do. Dive in your seat. What you, what you, because you want to be Mekayim, your personal mitzvah, you have a right to wake up other people and to disturb other people and to scream and to make a big, big machlekes. What, what, what are you doing? That's an example, I think, a good practical example of when things that we don't think about and we think that it's Hashra Sashchina, but it's not because there's no Nayim Hashem Aleinu. This is a little bit of a, you know, maybe a, maybe more of a debatable uh, atrocity. But let's say you're like uh, towards the end of his mind. Let's say now. Now it's, uh, how, how long is it till Pesach? It's, uh, I don't know, maybe five weeks left. And, you know, you have an opportunity to get a different chavrusa. Another chavrusa just opened up in Shir. And you want to, you know, dump your chavrusa and go to another chavrusa. Everything, you got to worry about your learning. How is your chavrusa going to feel? I'm not saying if it's the first day of this man, you see it's a disaster. You know, I'm not saying you have to like stay there for you know for the next five months, you know, and 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 not have a good zman. But you know, there's a couple. It's samach venira. The zman is almost over. Wait till the end. Wait till after Pesach. You know, after Pesach, everything is new. Everything is fresh again. You get you know a chance to get new chavrusas. Why do you have to make a guy feel bad? feel like a reject because you, you know, you're so good and your, your learning is so chashev, you know, that you have to make a, a person feel bad about himself. That's not, I don't think that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. Obviously, if the guy's not showing up or the guy's mamish, like, you know, you know, for, you have your cheshpan that's, you know, you speak to your rabbi about it and he agrees. But, like, you know, he's a good guy. Your chavrusa is showing up. Maybe he's not in your madrigam. Now you have a chance of getting a better chavrusa, a higher level chavrusa, lower level, whatever it is. 
But like Lamana Hashem, like just stay already. Like for, it's a couple more weeks. You know, minus Tuesdays, minus Shabbos, minus Sundays, minus Fridays. Minus, you know, it's like it's a few days. So like duke it out. Get it, you know, it's fine. You could do it. Elamai, you're so from that you need a chavrusa today. That if if, if there's no nayam, then there's no ashras hashchina. That's not what the Rebbeinu Shlom really wants. This is a great example. You come to shul, or you come to the base medrash, and you know you see a guy, you know, a, a guest in shul, a guest in yeshiva. He's sitting in your seat. What do you do? Most people tap him on the shoulder. Hey, buddy, my makom kavua. So the guy has to, like, you know, start scrambling, finding a new seat, assuming that, you know, there still is a seat in the show. I'll tell you a story. If you think that this is a dover, that this is a dover cow, like it's not a big deal, I'm making a big deal of that nothing. I have somebody that lives in my neighborhood, and he told me the story. He's about Shuba, and he... Um, Listen to the story. He was on the precipice of becoming from. This is like a big deal for him. He never kept Shabbos in his life. He had a rav that was getting him into it. And he decided for the first Friday night of his life, he's going to go to shul. It's a big deal. Right? You go into a shul. You didn't have anyone escorting him to shul. He's all on his own. He comes into shul. He finds a sitter. And he sits in some random seat in shul here in Queens. I don't know which shul. I have a, a hunch which shul it is, but I'm not going to say. But a certain shul. The only reason why I have a hunch is because I got kicked out many times of, of a seat in that particular shul. It's like a, a machla there. Like, you know, you, everyone needs their seat. And if they don't have their seat, boom, off you're the head. So he goes into this shul, and he uh, he sits in a random seat. He doesn't know what's makam kabua from... From his elbow, like you know, this is where you know, just sit, you're in a shul, you, you sit and you pray. A guy comes over to him, and he says, "Hey, buddy, my seat, my makom kavur, get out." So you know what he did? He told him, "This is what he told me." So we were walking back from shul one Shabbos when he told me this is what happened. He says he put his sitter back on the shelf, kissed him as was on the way out of shul. He went straight to the movie theater on Main Street on Friday night. He watched the movie. That's what I did. That's what I did. He said, you know, with tremendous mazel and luck and whatever and perseverance, today he's from, his wife is from, his kids are from, everyone, beautiful mishpacha. But he said, that's what I did. He kicked me out of my seat. That, that's what I did. I'm not, I'm not moving to another seat. I'm saying, if this is the people that I'm trying to become like, I don't want to be part of this religion. This is not the religion for me. If a person can kick out a stranger who's coming to pray in a shul, and he has nothing better to do but to kick me out of his seat because it's his seat, then this is not a religion that I'm interested in. There's no, there's no Nayam Hashem, there's no Ashras Hashrina. Is he wrong? Tell me if he's wrong. Is he wrong? Would, 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 would I feel any different? I feel like that, and I'm from, from birth, and I'm Mashmiach and Yeshiva. When somebody kicks me out, and I say, I want to go and watch a movie Friday night. I'm just kidding. But, but, Kimat. It's not that same, you get that disgusting feeling, right? You feel like, what? You're kicking me out of your seat? Like, where, is this, is this, you know, you know, it's funny, the, I'm just thinking as I'm speaking, the Gemara says, Avraham Yehei 
Brachas. If you are Kaveya Makam for your tree, you have Kvias Makam, you have Makam Kabua, the God of Avram will save you. Do you think Avram Avinu would do that? Avram Avinu was a Machnas Eirach. Avram Avinu was the Chesed, Sheba Chesed. Like, do you think that he would, you know, if, if Avram Avinu had a shul and somebody was sitting in his seat, he'd say, buddy, out? He'd like roll out the red carpet, he'd get him a coffee, he'd get him a sitter, a chumish, a, you know, what else can I do for you? If you kick a guy out because you're makam kabua, trust me, the Rabbi Shalom is not mashri. You might as well go and watch the movie. The Rabbi Shalom is not mashri Hashkina on that seat. There's no Hashra Hashkina there. You know why? Because you don't have Naya Hashem. There's no Ni'imas Hashem. It's a very easy equation. Ni'imas Hashem, Naya Hashem equals Hashra Hashkina. Lack of Naya Hashem, no Hashra Hashem. Very easy. Very easy to remember. Let's just talk about Purim with one, in one minute. Now, Purim is on its way. Everyone's, I think, very excited. Mitzvah Hashem, it'll be a great Purim. And there's a lot of Ashra Sashchina on Purim. The Shechina Ashar, it's a Yom Kippurim. It's, it's a Purim, Yom Kippur. If you think Yom Kippur is a day that you feel God in the base matters by Ni'ilah, Hashem Malikim, Yom Kippurim says the Arizal. Purim is a much higher day than Yom Kippur, Kiyadua. But in order for Yom Kippur, for Purim, to be a day of Ashra Sashchina, in order for our tefillahs, which are so powerful on Purim, to be in the Skabel, in order for all of the Avedas Hayyim, the Shalach Manis, and the Matanis Avyayim, and the Sud, and the Mikra Megillah, for all those things to really work, like, you know, for the plane to take off of Purim, like the Mishkan, for that to take off, you need Nayam Hashem Aleim. You have to be a mensch. And... Many people are very menschlich throughout the year and on Purim. There are many people, though, on Purim in particular, that feel that they have suddenly a license to be a para-adam, which means that they'll make ramen and they'll hurt people's feelings very badly. They'll make a Purim spiel. It's a very hard job. If anyone's volunteering for a Purim spiel, you should do it. But it, I'm telling you, you're, it's literally walking on a tightrope because it has to be funny it has to be entertaining, but at the same time, it has to be clean, and it has to not offend anybody. Now, that's a big trick. That's not an easy thing. Now, you could do certain things in good jest, and hopefully, you know, if you think everybody's on board and everybody's fine with it, great, that's perm. But if you're doing something, and because of that, somebody else feels hurt, somebody else feels that you're making fun of him, somebody else feels that you know, you said something that's highly offensive and that person is sensitive, then there's no Ashra Sashkin on Purim. Don't think, oh, yeah, but it's Purim. It's, al- it's not allowed. It's not allowed. There's no heter in the world to insult people on Purim, to act in a way that's not an emastic yourself, to run in the street like a shikar, to jump into, jump on top of cars, to, you know, to, you know, to, to, to just run, to be a para-adam, to be a wild guy. Purim is not a Jewish Halloween. Purim is not a Jewish Mardi Gras. Purim is, is the holiest day of the year. It's the day of Hashra Sashkina, but you need Nayim Hashem Aleinu. If you want to get to the Hashra Sashkina, you have to be a mensch. You have to be sensitive. You can't allow yourself to say or do things that are the opposite of Nimus. Then you'll have Ashra Sashrina for sure. 
But it, the prerequisite of Asherah Sashchina is always the Inayim Hashem If you have Neimos, if you're a nice person, I'm not saying you have to be Rapam or, you know, we don't have to be superhuman. We don't have to be saints. We just have to be normal, good, fine people. That's all. That's, the, that's where it starts. Just have a little sensitivity towards people around us. If you're going to your Rebbe's house, don't break their deck. Um, uh, don't, uh, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't, 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 if you're not feeling well, don't, like, throw up in, in you know, on your Rebbe's carpet or on his couch or in his bath. Like, you know, don't go into his house. You're not feeling well. Stay out of his house. Keep, keep your friends out of, out of your Rebbe. It's not nice. What, what's the Rebbe going to think if, you know, people are all over the house throwing, this is what my husband decided to do for a profession? This is what he dedicated his life to, to have drunk boys coming and ruining that. I mean, it's not, it's just not, there's no Ni'imas, there's no Ashras Ashrina. You're, you know, you're going around collecting, be a mensch. You go to people's houses. You're an ambassador for yeshiva. Don't, don't act like a, like a boor. No one does. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you are. I know that everybody, at least the guys that are in this room, would never in a zillion years, you know, do anything remotely wrong. But maybe the people, you know, all the guys that are probably watching right now in any time uh, in the dormitories, they, uh, you know, they might be interested in hearing some of this. But that is a major, major equation that has to be in front of our minds at all times. Nayam Hashem equals Hashra Sashrina. No Nayam Hashem means no Hashra Sashrina. That's the base, it's such a basic principle of life. I guess you could say main taira, main darachharat, main taira, darachharat, kadmula taira. That's more cliche. I like I like this better. If you have niimus, you're a nice person. Expect hashra sashchina from on high. But if you lack that basic understanding of being a mensch, you could be the biggest hamad chacham. You can be the biggest philanthropist. You have guys jump in your swimming pool in the freezing cold. You're not, there's, there's no ashras. You, you just wasted $6,000. Should have gone to, you know, Atlantic City and, and, and gambled. It didn't, it, you did nothing. Ah, but it's Tyra. No, it's not. The Rebbein Shalom is very much. He'll get $6,000 from somebody else. But you showed who you really were. This is a, a I think this is a very important yesayid that Mitz Hashem, we should think about, we should consider and we should implement in the Mitzvah Shem Yiratzain Shetisha Shechina the Maisi Yedech.